Hi, this is Li Chen Ren, Director of Modern Alpha Wisdom Tree ETFs. Welcome to China of Tomorrow podcast series, where we navigate China, India, Japan, and the broad emerging markets with members of Wisdom Tree and other industry leaders. Hi, today is January twenty second, twenty twenty four. This is Li Chen.、Uh, we'll quickly touch on Taiwan's election results and China's ongoing response to the burst of housing bubble. Um, welcome to Channel of Tomorrow podcast.、Uh, you can hear us in various platforms and also on Wisdom Tree's、uh, website.、Uh, first, Taiwan's current party PPP won in a three-way race for about 45% of the votes,、uh, beating the pro-China engagement party KMT by about 6%.、Na- uh, KMT did capture more votes in the legislature, so now it's the largest party, and、um, it's still three. Th- Seats short of majority because the third party got eight seats. First, my prediction was wrong, and I will、uh, explain which part I was wrong and which part I was、uh, right.、Um, secondly,、uh, I still believe the military conflict continued to be a low scenario, but risk of something going wrong definitely has increased because the current party、uh, is much more、uh, pro-independence. And thirdly, the third party's、uh, strong showing was a、uh, surprise, but I think in big part was also many young actually thought they had a chance to win after the third party released internal poll showing they were second instead of third.、Um, it remains to be seen whether third party can be viable in Taiwan.、Uh, Taiwan has had many third parties that have、uh, you know captured many seats in legislature, but.、Uh, uh, Gradually die down, so that will be really interesting in the next four years. First, in terms of Taiwan, doesn't have、um, a poll ten days before the election. So if you actually take the the last set of polls, about fifteen、uh, polls, and take an average, ah,、uh, that results is actually very close to the final results. Ah,、uh, it's not the best forecaster. One of the best forecaster was ah、uh, U. Uh, UDN United Daily um news, uh, it's one of the uh top Taiwan newspaper. But again, you know, I myself is a quantitative researcher, and I probably should have stick with the numbers I was tracking. But I think um, I saw some momentum by uh KMT, and also. I think I underestimated the third party's strength. The I third party ultimately captured about twenty six percent, and the KMT party lost about by six percent. And originally, I thought the KMT party uh doesn't have more than twenty percent because they were in the third place. I was surprised a lot of people still voted for the third party, uh, knowing maybe not knowing or knowing that they have. Almost no chance. So in terms of in prediction market, it does predict very well that the、um, the DPP party won, but it was wrong that they gave higher odds for the DPP for the third party,、um, not TPP,、uh, more than the second、uh, party KMT, which won you know、um, about thirty three percent of the votes. So the prediction market. Ah,、uh, the final winner was right, but the in terms of the order、uh, was quite wrong. Ah,、uh, overestimated the chance for the third party. So these are you know things I I am learning, and、uh, I think、uh, with the U.S. election coming up, people will be looking at polls, particularly the polls before the final votes. Ah,、uh, really quantitative.
quantitatively. And as a quantitative researcher, again, I told my friends that look, I should stuck with the the model um, more. And that's you know why I think people have biases um, when people think about investing. They thought they you know see something uh, and they use a you know ju judgment and sometimes the judgment turns out to be true but a lot of times those judgments can be biased and again reminding myself again and probably also um one of the reasons i like uh, quantitative uh investing like effective investing is that it takes the uh, uh, individual bias out of uh, so in the future i again i think uh there were a few um about 10 uh media outlets their posts were much closer than the other four or five so i think uh, in the future uh when people look at taiwan's elections the final set of uh, um polls will become more important when people look at those um in terms of for mainland china the local sentiment continue to be neg negative uh, i mentioned uh, a little bit uh, before you know with the housing uh, bubble burst Many were hoping for monetary and physical stimulus, like for example, today, China's loan prime rate, which is a rate that's anchored for many mortgages and loans, didn't change, which was not expect not unexpected because the this rate is usually tied to another um median liquidity facility rate. Um that didn't change a few days ago, but I think a lot of people still was kind of hoping for monetary uh, response. And I'm sorry, you know, to uh, really, I, and I've talked to this to my clients, uh, and also I've openly said this many, many times, uh, there are similarities between US and China, a lot of them. Uh, I myself, you know, live in uh, both countries. But in terms of policy response, it's one area that's gonna be very different. If COVID is any response, you will see, you know, the the virus is the same, but the responses can be very different. And China's central bank usually only respond when economic situation is very bad. And China is usually um, unlikely to uh, do uh, stimulus with U.S. this time around. As they did in 2008. If you, you know, people remember the 2008 uh, stimulus uh, or bailout uh, here, but many people do not know is China's 2008 stimulus was as big as U.S. Considering China's economy is smaller, um, it's because both at that time U.S. and China was in a good relationship, and both have a coordinated policies. So. That's just not possible anymore with U.S. in China in a bad relationship right now. So I think uh, again, China will do something. You know, the monetary uh, policy will be on a little bit easing, and physical stimulus will come like a little bit. But when you think about China, uh, you have to, you know, look at China's constraints and China's uh, institutional setups. Um, just recently, China also changed laws and says monetary policy, uh, so central bank, um, ultimately has to report to not only the state council, which is the government, uh, but also to the party central, which is, uh, for people who don't know China as much, China's leadership is mostly parallel. So for every city, you have a party secretary, which is, you know, 
are all evaluated by the party system. And then you have the mayor, which is the government system. And many times, usually the party secretary has more power. Um, that's mostly sometimes, you know, through some personal characteristics and possibly some mayors could become a party secretary down the road. They also have significant, significant power. But again, China's uh, setup is very different. So when we think about, you know, stimulus or policy response, they really need to be uh, thought of carefully uh, how China is going to be different. Uh, overall, investing in China, I think regardless China is going up, you know, China equity is going up or going down. Uh, and this point, I've made this point in many different platforms as well. Um, people are going to look at emerging market, but exclude China's strategies uh, very seriously uh, because people are going to look at their China exposure in their portfolio. Uh, uh, much more separately than just the emerging market. Again, uh, I think for investing in China requires significant risk tolerance. I do not believe U.S. and China will be in a, a military uh, a conflict, but the headlines will continue to be negative. Uh, U.S.'s containment policy of China, tech sanctions of China, they are still going to be in full force and will be more because this is the election year uh, in, in the U.S. Uh, Chinese companies face uh, domestic consumption headwinds due to housing downturn. Uh, on the other hand, the local consumption, considering China is not doing much stimulus, local consumption is holding up uh, pretty well because typical Chinese households have significantly high savings rate. So that helps to smooth uh, consumption. So again, um, thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, I try to tweet uh, these things in smaller uh, you know, bites. But if you're um, interested, you can follow me and uh, my colleagues uh, on Twitter to read more through our blogs. Uh, and if, if you're interested for a little bit longer form, uh, we'll continue to bring uh, regular updates on China and uh, strategies in Asia. I think um, you know people realizing that right now Japan is definitely uh, getting uh, more uh, of the different cycle because China people most people are very down on China, but Japan uh, if China did do well, did do well, Japan uh, can capture a lot of those uh, positive headwinds. So I think many people are uh, looking at you know Japan focused strategies, and we have a lot of currency hedged strategies. Um, we not only look at the equity, but we have uh, dynamic currency hedging in many of our international portfolios. So again, um, you can definitely check all these with more details on uh, wisdomtree.com uh, uh, slash investments. Thank you for listening. And then uh, in two weeks, China will be on the nine-day vacation for Chinese New Year. Um, but we, I will continue to uh, to uh, do the podcast uh, every two weeks. Um, I think, uh, again, we will learn more about the next year's goal, where the government usually set the growth goal uh, in, in early March. Um, generally, I think for now, the goal is still going to be set uh, close to 5%. But we will see, you know, sometimes things can change very quickly in China. Uh, thank you for listening.